Sonic here, and you're listening to the Snarf Tech Podcast. Gotta go fast! Why did we take two years to do the episode? Why did it take so long, bro? I don't know. I guess because it took you two years to say, let's get back together. <laughs> All right. So anyways, guys, we got a ton of stuff in tech to talk about. One thing, Tech Dre, that I thought was very Smart. interesting. Um, I know we're both, we, you know, we're purveyors of uh, streaming music. My preference, I, honestly, has always been Spotify. Um, and then you also have Apple Music. Really, Spotify and Apple Music are the top leaders of the whole music streaming services, right? They're like the, the pinnacle, right? And then somewhere below that, Tech Dre would probably be Title Music, right? So the big news or announcement this today was that Jack Dorsey, who used to be the CEO of Twitter, he uh, his company Square that he works for now. They spent $297 million to buy a majority stake in Tidal Music Service. And his announcement was on Twitter, uh, he said Square is acquiring a majority, majority ownership stake in Tidal through a new joint venture with original artists becoming the second largest group of shareholders and Jay-Z joining the Square board. So why would a music streaming company and financial services company join forces? That's a pretty good question, Tech Dre. Why do you think they made this team up? Because obviously Jay-Z is going to be working with Square. What do you think the reason was for them to do this? Well, Tidal has never really taken off the way that Jay-Z probably envisioned it to. And Square, um, I'm sure Jack Dorsey is not only a fan of Jay-Z, um, but maybe he's a fan of title. Maybe he likes the fact that it has a high fidelity service and maybe he likes the fact that it, it kind of caters to the artist and that, you know, the artists have kind of a little bit of ownership and they get paid better. And every, you know, the thing is Jay-Z understands the music industry. Jack Dorsey understands the tech industry and actually venturing out into cash app and square. He also understands the financial industry too. So I believe Jack Dorsey believes that with his knowledge of, you know, the tech industry and social media, that he can make title um, more popular. And then by bringing Jay-Z on board with Square, uh, maybe he wants to put Jay-Z's face with Cash App um, and maybe appeal to a market that doesn't really use banks much anyways. And um, 
you know, services like Square, I mean, you can almost bypass a bank altogether. They've got debit cards. You can transfer money to people. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Square, one of them services, you can actually have your check direct deposited to that service now. So Yeah, I, I kind of thought about that, too, because Cash App has kind of exploded, Tech Dre. And uh, we know that's one of the success stories that's come out of Square, which is and that's the, the funny app. thing is that Cash App isn't the only service around. There's uh, Venmo, there's Apple Pay, and Zelle. There's so many of them around, but the most popular one is Cash App because it's so straightforward and simple. And it doesn't matter very what easy. platform you're on. Yeah. It's it's very yeah, it's very easy to use. Yeah, I totally agree. So what he wants to do. Jack Dorsey seems confident, Tech Dre, that he can transform title the same way he transferred score, Square with the Cash App, right? And basically, his statement on Twitter was, it comes down to a simple idea, finding new ways for artists to support their work, new ideas, which are found in intersections. We believe there's a compelling one between music and the economy. And if you think about it, Tech Dre, uh, the music industry in the last 20 years has kind of metamorphosed into this more streaming more digital you know everything is digital right now right movies are streaming uh tv shows are streaming music is streaming so maybe he's thinking in this new digital economy that they can offer something i mean maybe they'll give some of the artists stock and square i don't know cash app to kind of you know help leverage them to come over the title or whatever i don't know but he's thinking that somehow they can support music the way he support the financial industry. Like you said, appeal to people who maybe don't have a bank account, don't typically trust uh, financial institutions. Maybe this is the way to get into different markets, right? But uh, yeah. he said they're going to start small and focus on the most critical needs of artists and growing their fan bases. So it'll be interesting. I thought it was kind of like out of left field, to be honest with you, Tech Dre. When I saw this, I'm like, why is Jack Dorsey of Twitter and Square with Jay-Z and Tidal, because like you said, Tidal up to this point really hasn't been a success, but the one thing it does offer, right, is that high, what do they call it, the high um, soundless, you know, the, 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 the sound quality is so much better than a lot of the other stream services, but it hasn't caught on yet, because well, it's a little more expensive. And I think that the, what they're thinking is, because of the original vision of Jay-Z was to make it an artist-driven uh, business, um, I think that's what they think is going to set it apart. I don't think they're worried about, per se, beating out maybe Apple or Spotify with a sheer amount of um, subscribers, but I think they're trying to appeal more to the artist. And that's the thing. If you appeal to the artist, the artists are getting paid good. Um, you treat them better than other streaming services. Where are they going to go? They're going to go where they're treated better, they're paid better, they're appreciated. And I think that's probably going to be the focus. It's almost like, I guess you could say it's almost like the new um, uh, tech version of the um, the labels, music labels, I guess you could say. It's almost like streaming services are the music labels. They're the ones paying the artists. So. I guess no, could, I, I totally agree. This I is going to be the more luxury, I guess you could say, tech music label for artists. Yeah, I think what you're seeing in entertainment as a whole, 
you're seeing this paradigm shift tech Dre, with digital medium and people are still trying to figure out ways to uh, monetize it, right? They're still trying to find different ways to make money off their product because right now, post COVID, we don't know what the music industry is going to look like, right? We don't know if concerts will be what they used to be. We don't know if venues will fill up like they used to. We don't know if that stream of revenue will ever come back to where it was pre-COVID, right? It might be a few years away before it ever catches back on. Maybe it'll never return to what it was before. I'm not sure. Now, kind of pivoting away from that, Tech Dre, is another thing that kind of deals with streaming. That's what this comment that Disney CEO just made recently, that he's not sure that we're ever going to go back to the way movies were released before. Because right now, a lot of companies, including Disney, are doing day and day with their movies. What he was saying was, is he wasn't talking about the movie industry in general. He was talking about Disney, saying yes. that Disney may not go back to releasing movies the way they used to. Well, and, and that's the, the thing. I'm, the reason why I pivoted on that is because you see what HBO Max is doing, right? They just released that Tom and Jerry movie last week, uh, which I haven't seen yet. I've been kind of interested in it. But releasing these movies day and date like they did with Wonder Woman, they released it the same day they got in the theaters, that was kind of unheard of, Tech Dre. This is not something they've commonly done with a tentpole, uh, huge uh, movie, but it sounds like Disney is starting to, to come around to the idea that maybe, hey, we're never going to get the kind of box office numbers we got before. Pre-COVID, maybe we need to look at streaming as a viable option. I know that uh, new animated film coming out, um, I can't think of the name of it right now, with the dragon and the girl. Um, they're talking about doing that where you have to pay the Disney premium price to rent it at the same time as the, the theater. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like the, which, they, which they've done with some movies. And yeah, they did it with I'm going to be honest with you. I think a lot of families will have no problem. Imagine if you've got, you know, a couple of kids. Okay. Most of the, most of the people seeing that movie are going to be families. Okay. To take a mother and a father and one kid, you're spending that 30 or more dollars anyway. But if I can spend 30 bucks, watch it at home, pop my own popcorn, get a soda or a beer or whatever, eat food out my own kitchen, I can pause the movie when I got to go to the bathroom. It ain't like the theater where you got to get and go to the bathroom. You're missing part of the movie. I think the experience at home is just becoming better in a lot of ways than the movie theater. I'm not saying that's the case across the board, but I think for families and especially with Disney movies, it's probably a better experience. Yeah, and the one I was thinking of, Tech Dre, is The Raya and the Last Dragon. It's yeah. being released simultaneously in theaters and on Disney Plus premiere access for additional $30 to charge subscribers for luxury. Now, I don't really see paying that for animated film that I'm not interested in like this one, but if there's a Marvel movie, right, that I want to see, maybe the next Avengers or whatever, could see people ponying up for that $30 because, hey, I want to see the new Marvel flick and I don't really feel like going out and dealing with COVID. So even with the vaccination things going on right now, I just don't know if people will ever feel comfortable to go back in the theater and do what they used to do, right? I just don't know that that's going to ever be the same. So now they're looking at this HBO, Warner Brother. What they're doing is they're starting to pivot and say, hey, this is a way we can make money off of this, Right. I think the HBO Max thing is still kind of a um, a work in progress. They still, I don't know how much success they've had with what they're doing, they're experimenting with right now. But I think 
Disney has had massive success, right? They've had a lot of people join the service. I think in no time they'll catch up with Netflix. So I just think that the more success that Disney Plus has, these other companies, like you saw what CBS All Access just did. They had Star Trek content, so now they pivoted and did Paramount Plus. So I just think all these companies are going to, you know, if they're if they're successful, you're going to see more and more copycats jumping on this bandwagon of streaming uh, new TV shows, exclusive content to their streaming platform. Yeah. Anyways, okay, so another thing we're going to talk about, guys, because 5G is kind of all the rage now. Everybody's talking about 5G. Uh, a lot of the uh, cell phone services are, are, you know, providers are offered it now. But recently we come to find out that great, the Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile have spent $78 billion on C-band spectrum for 5G, with Verizon spending the most. What do we know about this, and why is this such a big deal going forward with the, the whole arms race and, and cellular? Well, let's, you know, let's, break this, let's break this down, first of all. Verizon came out as the clear winner. They spent $45.4 billion and secured 3,511 20 megahertz blocks of spectrum across the country. AT&T uh, came in second place. They spent $23.4 billion and got 1,621 licenses. And um, T-Mobile spent $9.3 billion and got 142, but U.S. Cellular somehow came ahead of them and got 254 licenses. Um, about a year or so ago, it was expected that this auction would only bring in 20 to 30 billion. This is important because it brought in significantly more. They originally thought this would bring in 20 to 30 billion, but it brought in 78 billion. This is significant because. Everybody knows, like with the launch of the iPhone 12 and its line of phones, Verizon launched their nationwide 5G network. AT&T has launched 5G, and, and so has T-Mobile, who gobbled up Sprint. And you, if you've noticed, 5G isn't much different than 4G, unless you're on the like Verizon has what's called their 5G, the millimeter wave, which is a spectrum that only travels like a couple of city blocks. So they almost have to put towers every couple of blocks. It's extremely fast, but it doesn't penetrate buildings or bounce off of walls that well. And um, you, you have to put it everywhere. So they're not deploying that everywhere because it's highly expensive. The reason why these C-band spectrums is so important. It's because this is the key to getting 5G where it's widespread and usable to most everyone and getting you significantly better speeds than 4G. Right now, 5G speeds isn't much better than 4G. So, and... Coincidentally, Verizon's 5G runs off of the same towers as their 4G, so they're sharing the same tower, which sounds crazy. Um, and there's other things that goes into this also. So originally, it was expected that 5G would be pretty well built out by now. But we've had political tensions between the U.S. and China, so Huawei was supposed to build a bunch of the 
5G towers that were supposed to be used and they haven't been able to use them because of sanctions. So a lot of the towers being used, um, you know, these companies are scrambling to figure out who they can get them from, not to mention the spectrum um, that just became available to make it a lot easier to deploy this. Um, we all know that cloud gaming, it's missing puzzle piece is 5G. We know that cloud gaming can't truly take off until 5G is, I mean, widely available at high speeds. Mel Weezy, I know you're a big proponent of xCloud, and right now xCloud is available. Uh, people are using it, but you don't see people widely using it. You don't see people widely using Luna. You don't see people widely using Google Stadia. And the reason being is because 5G isn't what it's eventually going to be. No, it's still in the infancy. And like you said, it's not that fat, much faster than 4G. It's A lot of it's not true 5G yet, right? I mean, they haven't achieved the uh, end game with 5G yet. And I agree. I feel like cloud gaming is going to take off with the advent of 5G. It's going to go with 5G. And I think the reason why all these companies like Google Stadia and Luna with Amazon, they were really depending on the deployment of 5G at this point. And I think that um, they got out there early, right? Stadia was out there really early with cloud gaming. We had on live even before that years ago. Um, and those know, services do work. It's just that they don't work as well as they're going to work. And I think with this C-band spectrum being sold and these carriers are going to start building it out, I think within the next couple of years, it's going to be more feasible. Yeah. Well, and this article brings out something very interesting, Tech Dre, about the fact that AT&T spent a lot of money, but they have only recently reduced their debt load to about $164 billion, And now they spent in $23.4 billion to acquire this uh, 5G, uh, where they really couldn't afford this. I mean, T-Mobile could kind of afford it because they did that merger with Sprint, right? But AT&T could not. So, they need that spectrum just to stay competitive. So it's it'll be interesting yeah, to see was, how this all shakes out. But I don't like think you we're said, they, see like you said, AT&T is in a lot of debt. Yep. But they really couldn't afford to not buy this because, yeah. like you said, if they want to stay competitive, they want to stay in the game, they had to spend that money. Yeah. I'm really curious because, you know, <clears throat> like last year you had these conspiracy guys saying, oh, yeah, 5G causes coronavirus and – microwaves your insides and all this kind of crazy stuff. I don't know if that's true or proven. We don't know yet. That might be years away to see the ramifications of high-speed sailing networks, but it'll be interesting to see how that all kind of unfolds. Now, one thing that I want to talk about now, Tech Dre, unless you had anything else to say about that, I don't want to... Um, no, I would, well, the one thing I was going to mention is, <clears throat> coincidentally, the C-band spectrum... Mm -hmm. um, all the iPhone 12 lines capable of 5G will also support those spectrums. But any Android phone bought before this year, so if you bought a, a 5G phone in 2020 or 2019 as an Android phone, they will not support those new C-band spectrums. But the newer Android phones coming out in 2021 will support those spectrums. Yeah, I still think we're a good two or three years away from really seeing what 5G can do. I know they even said in an article that some of that 
a Steve Ban won't even be ready till 2023. So who knows if we're going to see the full potential of what 5G can do. I don't think we're going to really see the really what it can do until maybe even 2025. I think it's going to be a few years away, even though it's here. Like you said, it's it's varying degrees of um, levels of speed and, and, and success at this point. So we'll have to see. The jury's still we'll, out on it. I think we'll see it get better slowly. Yeah, I think so, too. So let's talk about the huge Nintendo Switch Pro rumor that's been kicked around for the last several months. Uh, it has just been that tech-driven rumor. But then Bloomberg had a huge article that came out this week that mentioned that the next Nintendo Switch is going to have 4K output when it's docked. And we'll also have a 7-inch OLED screen, uh, and it's going to be 7-inch screen at that. And it's going to come out this year. So what do you think about this? Because I've heard a lot of rumors, and now it sounds like these sources that are coming out now are pretty dependable Nintendo insiders. We are going to get a Switch in 2021. Uh, what do you think? Because I didn't think we would get it this soon. I thought we would see it in March of 2022, which would be about a five-year life cycle like we had with the Wii U. Um, I think it's it's classic Nintendo. They're always coming out somewhere in between other cycles of Sony and Microsoft. Um, I think the thing is, is that the Switch has been out now since, what, March of 2017? So it's been out four years. If they release a console like holiday time this this year, then that'll be four and a half years. And you have to remember, too, this what they're supposedly doing is not bringing out a whole new generation of console. It's like a mid-cycle upgrade or something. So it's going to be a more powerful version of the current Switch, not a whole new generation. So that doesn't surprise me that they're doing it sooner than five years because they did that with the 3ds they came out with incremental updates or better versions 3ds 3ds xl you know um same thing with the ds they did several iterations of it so to come out with a a better switch um just makes sense um 4k on a tv well guess what most people have 4k tvs in their home now they're cheap um to go with a little bit bigger screen on the Switch, that's truly inviting because you think about it, everyone has tablets now. They're working with screens that size and bigger all the time. So to come with a bigger screen to me makes more sense. And the OLED screen is going to be beautiful because it's going to have a refresh rate out of this world, uh, deeper blacks, and it's going to be a brighter screen than what you're using on the Switch now. And uh, hopefully better battery life. So um, I, I, it's pretty interesting. Um, I think people are going to be looking for it. Um, I think people are going to be excited for it. It's probably going to be around the capabilities of, say, a PS4 Pro as far as power. But a PS4 Pro in your pocket, man, that's, to me, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, a lot of the guys are watching YouTube have kind of talked about it. One of the guys I watch, RGT85, he mentioned that it probably won't be native, right? It might be checkerboard 4K. We don't know. If it's going to be as powerful as the Switch Pro, I mean, as the um, <laughs> the, the, the uh, PlayStation 4 Pro, 
that's pretty, like you said, that's pretty powerful for a handheld that you can take around with you. And the screen is going to be bigger. Resolution is going to be better. Uh, it's going to be brighter. Uh, and that battery is probably going to be better, which is kind of amazing when you think about what they're trying to do. The fact that the battery will even be better is going to be amazing in itself. I guess I should probably say this so I don't mm-hmm. confuse people. It's going to be 4K when docked. It's not going to be 4K oh, yeah. on the actual when you're playing in handheld mode. I mean, I think people but the kind rumor of is, that, so, but the so. rumor is though that the resolution it will get a resolution bump from 720 to 1080. Yeah. So yeah. resolution bump, better screen, brighter screen, bigger screen. Uh, still going to be a lot nicer. And I, and this is what's interesting, too, is that I've noticed that a lot of Nintendo Switch um, accessories and stuff is kind of hard to get. This week, Amazon uh, discounted the Switch Pro controller and then turned around and discontinued it when it sold out. So that, that that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, well, you know, and, they were selling those docks out for a while, too, and they were kind of like discontinuing the docks, and people were yeah, kind Nintendo, of... Nintendo were kind of reason the they were doing that bucks. because they were getting ready for the next Switch iteration. And the rumored name for this tech, right now, I don't know if this is true, but if it's true, it's genius. The rumor is it might be called the Super Nintendo Switch. Now, if they do that, I think... I've, I've, I've heard that. I mean, if they do that, I think that it's just going to be perfectly because one of my favorite consoles growing up as a gamer was the Super Nintendo. So if they do Super Nintendo Switch, I mean, my goodness, I think my head's going to explode. But I think I think for a gamer, I think Super Nintendo Switch is cool. But I think for the average consumer, I think it's a confusing name. All you're adding is Super in front of Nintendo. It's Nintendo Switch. Well, you're Super Nintendo Switch. Most people well, are not going to know You think it's going to be the same problem like they had with the Wii and the Wii U? Yes. Or you think I think if is- you call it a Switch Pro, I think people are going to know there's a difference. What do you mean the Switch Pro? That's different than a Switch? Yeah, it's more powerful. I, I think Pro is going to give people – just think about it. If you weren't much of a gamer and I said Nintendo Switch or Super Nintendo Switch, would you really pick up on the difference? Probably not. I just think I just love that name, Super Nintendo Switch. I think it's perfect. It's Super Nintendo. I mean, I was going to say it's Super. It's just like Nintendo to make a name like that. I think it's way better than Wii and the Wii U. I think Wii U I is guess, terrible. I guess okay. So, but the difference between the Wii and the Wii U is it was two different generations of console. I think if they discontinue the current Switch, not necessarily the Switch Lite. But if they discontinue the OG Switch and this Switch, Super Nintendo Switch, plays all the current games and then has newer games that it plays in 4K, I can live with that. And I think most people can live with that because if you already own a Switch and you got tons of games for it and then all of a sudden you can't use those on a Super Nintendo Switch, I think people are going to be a little upset. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But if it's but if it's truly still within this generation, just a more powerful version, then it shouldn't have no problem playing the current games. Okay, I do want to share the screen because this is the, the article that uh, somebody we know sent us. And I don't know if you can see this, but this is just a Switch, you know, Nintendo Switch, Super Nintendo Switch concept tech. Dre, what do you think about this? Because 
obviously you kind of got the more contoured uh, joy cons or, or they kind of have something you can they have kind of like have the handles on them like a controller, uh, which is to me more ergonomically comfortable if you're going to you play the handheld. If they don't I make it pretty the, cool if it's real. If they don't space out where the buttons and joy cons are laid out better on, on this newer switch. I think it's a travesty because. Well, I mean, it's probably going to still have the Joy-Con drift. They have not fixed that yet. And I'm, from, and I'm not talking about drift. I'm just talking about the placement and how tight the buttons are together. I think the spacing needs to be a little more spaced out. I think if they do that, that's, that's going to be huge. Um, and the other thing is they got to fix Bluetooth. You, if they don't add the ability to use a Bluetooth headset, to this next console, that's going to be a mishap too. And to me, with the launch of that console, N Nintendo needs to revamp or relaunch their online service and add voice chat. Parties, I agree. Chat, party chat. Voice chat needs to be native on the system. It needs to I mean, be because the, the only, OS. I mean, to be honest with you, the only thing I feel like they really, I feel like the only thing they're really giving you with the online services, a bunch of old Nintendo and Super Nintendo games. That's the only thing they're giving you with it because honestly, the online part, they were giving away free when the Switch first came out for like the first year. Definitely not great. I, I'll say this much. Platoon plays really well online. Um, I haven't played a lot of Smash online, but I've heard nightmarish stories about losing connection and a lot of lag and latency. Um, it's not great. And I don't think that's Nintendo's strength. And I think that's why they focus on the, the more low-res games, the old-school games you can play couch co-op, which is cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to play Mario Kart with your buddies, you need to have a stable connection. And, and Mario Kart actually does play pretty good online. I have to say that that and Splatoon actually play yeah, really, really, really well online. Yeah, I've never really a problem with Mario Kart online. But Smash Brothers, I've heard, is horrible. I don't play it online so i couldn't tell you but i've heard just nightmares about the connection i haven't tried the mario 3d land yet online uh so i really can't say about that but hopefully they're getting better because if they don't i don't see how people are going to keep paying for it you know they don't have anything to offer except yeah. old games that we played 20 30 years ago exactly but anyways that's enough about nintendo we were going to talk about PlayStation 5 VR. I know you're a big PlayStation guy, Tech Dre. I did want to talk about this because VR seems like it's been like the hot topic. I mean, we even had rumors of Apple doing their own VR with 8K display, all these crazy type of specs, but that's pretty far off. We know the PlayStation 5 VR is probably going to be, it's probably going to come before whatever Apple's going to do, right? But... I don't what know. We're saying with this Sony VR, the new PlayStation 5 VR is going to have a better field of view, higher resolution, and one single cord. What do you think about what they're trying to do with this tech, Greg? Because I know the first one was kind of cumbersome to use uh, with all the cords and stuff. I mean, I've never played it. I know you have one. What do you think about them simplifying the design and kind of streamlining it for the PlayStation 5? What do you think about that? I mean, first of all, it's definitely welcoming, but secondly, the one cord, uh, it'd be nice to not have any cords at all. 
yeah, kind of like why they're doing it, but um, I am pretty excited because I have the Oculus Quest 2. Um, it plays like a dream and it's standalone by itself, but you can connect the Oculus Quest 2 to a PC through one cable mm-hmm. and play um, uh, the Rift games, the Oculus Rift um, games uh, through the Quest you know, through a cable. So I can see where Sony's going to, you know, do that. You're probably going to have a really long uh, USB-C cable that's going to come from the console all the way to the headset. And, um, I mean, I'd rather not have a cord, but with it only being one cable, that's doable. That's livable. That's doable. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what type of controllers they go with. Um, The Move controllers were okay. Um, but Oculus has it on lock, man. The controllers they have work really good. They feel good. Hopefully, Sony does something similar to that. If they do that, and maybe that has like a dual sense feel to it with haptic feedback, that'll be pretty legit. So, in your opinion, the Oculus Quest is better than the PlayStation 4 VR. That's what you're saying, right? I mean, you're well, comparing the Quest the two. 2 or the Quest 2 headset. I mean, it's actually newer. For one, the, the PlayStation VR has been out for quite a while. The Oculus Quest 2 just came out in 2020. Okay, so, I'm just saying compare the two because I haven't used it. I've only played the Oculus Quest 2 that you just um, got recently. I've Oculus never tried Quest the PS4. 2 pumps 2K, so basically 1440 to each eye. Um, the original PSVR is so resolution, you get the screen door effect. You don't get that with the Oculus Quest 2. Um, Oculus Quest 2 is very affordable, too. It starts out at $299, you know. Um, so I'm hoping the next PSVR comes at a pretty reasonable price, too. I'm hoping that, and I'm hoping some of the original PSVR games, they decide to kick the resolution up on. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what they're saying. They're going to make it. That's what they're actually saying. They're saying they're going to try to pr- improve the resolution, higher resolution, better field of view. So I guess that would be wider, right? The headset well, would be wider I understand wider there. the headset is going to have better yeah. resolution, but I said it'd be nice if they could go back and some of the games that came out on it, take the resolution up on the software itself, the games, to match the new PSVR headset. Okay. Well, I don't know much about the Apples. Um, I know they're talking about doing 8K and all these crazy things with the Apple VR headset. And I thought I saw a rumor, Tech Dre, that they're going to be like $3,000 or something like that at launch or something crazy. So the Apple headset is supposed to be uh, Apple VR slash AR. So it's going to supposedly be able to to do virtual reality and augmented reality. Um, it's also supposed to be prohibitively expensive and not really geared towards gaming. So I don't think that's going to be something the average consumer is going to go for. $1,500 or $2,000 is going to price a lot of people out of getting one. So it'll be interesting to see what the early um, use are, use is for. I mean, it's, they're basically, it's it's almost basically a developer headset because they're going to be putting it out for people to start writing software for it. 
So I don't think I'll be an early adopter of that. Okay. All right. That's cool. Uh, I do see Apple 9 to 5 Max reporting that Apple's patenting a new magnetic connector that could replace the lightning port on the iPhone, which I think that's pretty cool. Uh, they just patented a new trademark uh, for new, that new magnetic connector, which is capable of transmitting power to the iPhone. That's, that sounds well, pretty cool. The MagSafe cool. already exists for the 12 line of phones. What you're looking at is the MagSafe. I actually have a MagSafe charger like that. But I know they are talking about going with a more powerful MagSafe as far as the magnetism. Um, as far as them eliminating ports, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's possible. It's probably possible. We'll have to see. All right. All right. Um, I guess that's pretty much all I got to talk about, man. I don't really have anything else. I know that there was this big snafu about not being able to change the default music app on the uh, most recent update of uh, iOS 14.4. Um, they say you could change it, but I guess it's not a permanent change. You could switch from music, Apple Music to Spotify. But people are kind of getting mad about that. You know, they're kind of going back and forth about that. So we'll see how that kind of turns out. But to kind of go back to the Nintendo Switch thing just for a second, Tech Ray, before we get out of here on the podcast. I truly believe we're not going to see it in 2021. I think they're going to go into because they're supposedly the, the rumor is they're going to go into manufacturing in June of this year. And I guess you would do that to ramp up for maybe a Christmas or, you know, November or December release. But I still feel like there's a good shot. They may hold it off until March of 2022, especially if the switch keeps selling like hotcakes and they're just selling them out. I don't know how the switch is selling this year. I know last year during the pandemic, it sold like crazy. Right. Um, I just don't see the reason why you you do that right now if you don't have to yet. Like, wait until 2022. What is – because all the big games that's coming out, like Zelda 2 and Splatoon 3 and stuff like that, they're not coming out until 2022 anyway, probably. So I don't see what the rush is unless you just want – like you said, you just want a more high-resolution display and you want the 4K and stuff on the TV – I mean, at that point, you're just doing it, like you said, it's a mid-gen refresh because you just want things that look more shiny and look better, better graphics, basically, because you don't really need it until a game that comes out and takes advantage of it, in my in my opinion. Well, I, like I said, I think it's kind of the same concept of what they've done with other handhelds. They've taking different generations of other handhelds and come out with incrementally better versions. And I think that's what they're doing with the Switch. Um, like I said, they've done it with the 3DS. They've done it with the DS. Um, think about it. They came out with the 3DS, right? And they eventually came out with the 3DS XL. So this is what Nintendo does. Like I said, I don't see this as a new generation. I feel like it's an incremental update of the current generation. Yeah, I, I agree. So, I agree. If it was a whole new generation, I could, like I said, I could agree with you on that. But with, uh, with it not seeming to be a whole new generation, I don't think it's a problem. All right. Okay. All right. If you like Crash Bandicoot, 
There is a new game coming out. It's going to only be on iPhone and iPad called Crash Bandicoot on the Run. It's one of those instant runners, just kind of running. Um, that's coming out later this month. If you're interested, if you like Crash Bandicoot, pretty cool game. They're always pretty tough, pretty hard. But I think that's coming out the March 25th, I think, on mobile. So if you guys want to check it out, if you're an Apple guy or I mean, I'm sure at some point it'll probably come to Android, right? At some point, Tech Dre, I, I can't imagine it won't eventually. So, oh, probably. But that's all I got, Tech Dre. That's all I got for tech. I mean, there was a lot of stuff I want to talk about that kind of aged out. Um, but that's pretty much all I got. Unless you got anything else you want to talk about or rap about before we kind of get out of here. Rap. I go ahead and drop a beat for you. <laughs> I said that you want to rap about. <laughs> so, anyways, guys, hopefully we start doing this more regular. Well, if you guys I might, have I might be wrapping those PS5s up. I was able to snag up today. Yeah, I think you might have caught one for me, but we'll we'll see. I just I I don't feel secure about those tech Dre until it actually ships, and then we have the the PS5s. I don't really trust it until it's actually out the door and on its way to us. But. uh like I said, guys, if you guys have any suggestions for the podcast, you guys can send us a message on Twitter. We'll leave our Twitters in the comments and the uh, metadata for the podcast. If you guys have any feedback, shoot us a message on Twitter. And Tech Dre can kind of tell you guys where to keep up with him. But let us know if you guys want to hear. I thought about talking about NFTs. Tech Dre shot me down about that. I was going to talk about that and uh, blockchain and stuff, but we didn't get around to it so maybe next episode tech dre will feel like uh he'll feel like jumping on that so right anyway tech dre's why don't you tell people to keep up with you on social media if they want to send uh questions or suggestions for the podcast uh geekly underscore tech underscore dre at twitter um that's pretty much it geekly podcast page on facebook and uh, they can holler at you through your chat. Get at me. <laughs> All right. And yeah, you, you guys can hit me up on Twitter at Nelweezy. That's N E L W H E E Z Y. Or if you guys have suggestions for the podcast or questions or feedback, you guys can email me at Nelweezy at iCloud.com. All right, guys. Everybody have a great week. Mm-hmm.